That's better. Can I get some lights on in the back there? Just one or two of them. There you go. Perfect. Perfect. Y'all need to see my bright smiling face, and I need to see your bright smiling face this morning. Happy, happy Father's Day, dads. Come on, one more time. I just want to let you know that we, we, as Susie mentioned, we have something special, and we painstakingly had this gift inscribed for every dad out there. Personalized just for you guys. So don't forget. Don't forget. We'll, uh, they're out there on the counter. So when you leave, make sure you take one. And if not, we're going to give you one anyway. Uh, my name is Chris, and I'm the lead pastor here. Let me pray for us, and then we'll dig in. So, Father God, we, first of all, love you so much. I can't think of any better model as we celebrate our earthly dads than you as the heavenly father. Uh, we know that uh, while some people have had great earthly dads, others have not had the pleasure of that experience. And, and we know that the hope is that no matter how our earthly fathers fail, you above all are perfect. And so help us all as dads to model you to our families, to the world, to the people we see, to the people we meet. Help us to be a reflection of you uh, in this world as fathers, looking to you as the perfect, matchless, heavenly father, God. We are all in here today longing for something more, and that something is you. So open us up. Make us like sponges. Help us to absorb your word. Help us to, to not just absorb your word, not just to hear your word, but to be doers of the word, because otherwise we're fooling ourselves, God. Take over this place. We ask that you continue to fill every place, every crevice, every corner with your presence, with your Holy Spirit, God, because without that, nothing else matters. Use me how you see fit. Take me out of the picture. Make all these words be yours, God. And we ask this in Jesus' name. And together, as a church, we'll say amen. If you're at home, type amen. We want you guys to be involved in Well, um, funny thing happened to me a couple of weeks ago. When I say funny, I mean only in my brain. Is my mic off? Yeah. That's because I forgot to change the battery. Check. You see how much we need to carry us around here? Thank you, Harmony. I forget everything. Thank you very much, Harmony. Let me see. Action green now. Look at that. Anyway, as I was saying, something funny happened to me a couple of weeks ago, and, and in my brain, things are funny that you probably won't find funny, but I was cutting my grass, and that's not funny, although at the time it was, because it was like this high, I hadn't done it in a while. And there's, you know, I have this whole system of cutting grass. I cut like what I call the back 41st. Right, that's the side we don't, we don't use very much, but you can see. And then I cut the, the back, back 40, which is the side we never use and you can't see. And so as I was cutting the back, back 40, the side we never use and can't see, that's the side that faces the neighbor's house and where the air conditioning equipment and all that kind of stuff is. I just happened to notice that there were an extraordinarily large number of anthills on this section of ground. Now, that's pretty normal around my neighborhood, and anybody who lives in Pasadena knows that sand is the most prevalent thing in all of your soil. So when it gets dry out, like it has been, the ants like to bring all the sand up to the top and build their little anthills. Now, I cut the grass, and I know what you're thinking. No, I did not steer around all the anthills. Believe me, those ants will be fine. 
cut the grass, look back, no more anthills, finish cutting the grass. The next day I had to get underneath my house because my toilet needed fixing. The flange broke, so I had to get under there in the crawl space and cut the plumbing and put a new flange on the whole thing. But the bulkhead to get to my crawl space is on the backpack 40 where we never go. I walked around the house. Now, this is 24, less than 24 hours. I finished cutting the grass somewhere around 5 o'clock in the evening. And, and, and I was out there under the house somewhere around noon, less than 24 hours. I look on the backpack 40 and all of those anthills are back again. Every single one of them. Not were they back, but they were even bigger than they were before. And I think, I think, you can't prove this, but I think there were more of them than there ever was. Little tiny ants. Little tiny ants. It's amazing how much of a big difference a little tiny ant can make. But here's the interesting thing. One ant alone can't do a whole lot. I spent some time, I was out working in the yard years ago, and, and, and I was hot, so I sat on my little wall there by my driveway and had some water, and I saw this ant, a single ant, not a big black ant, not one of them big, you know, he-man ants like this, a little tiny ant, trying to carry a stick about that long across the driveway. Ten minutes went by that I sat there and took a rest and got some water, and that ant moved that far with that stick. So one ant, right? One ant can't make a whole lot of difference in that in the world, in, in anything that he does. And I think, I really think, not to compare us too much to ants, but I really think a lot of us feel that very same way. A lot of us feel that we are just too small to make a difference in this world. We, we might feel that we are too ill-equipped. To make a difference in this world. We might feel that based on my past and what I've done. God can never use me to make a difference in this world. We might feel like there are so many more people. More qualified to do anything in this world. A lot of us feel that way don't we? So, so let me take a little survey. Let me take a little survey. And you can raise your hands. You can decline to answer. How many of us believe that we live in a severely broken world. Almost everybody. How many of us believe that probably sitting in this place right now, but most definitely within a couple of steps outside these doors, there are people who are hurting? How many of us believe that there is a whole lot of people who need a relationship with Jesus? How many of us believe that somebody... Maybe next to you is really going through a hard time right now. How many of us believe that this world continues to get darker and darker every day? We all agree on that stuff. Now, how many of us feel like we alone can make a difference in any of that? Some of us. Some of us. We've been in this series all about us, all about HSC, and next week we're going to talk about our, our vision, which is this concept of uncommon unity, better together, that, that a relationship with Jesus can break down all the barriers and dividers that exist out in the world for something much more life-giving. But up until now, we've been dealing with our mission. Our mission states that we want to bring everybody we know to know God and to find freedom, those two things we said are inseparable. If somebody knows God truly with all their heart and soul and strength and mind, then that will lead them to a place where they can find freedom from their pain, from their suffering, from their bondage, from their sin. 
from the brokenness that they live with in this world. And then if we can do that, if we can love God, if we can know God and find our freedom, that leads us, what we talked about last week, to discover our purpose. And we said last week that we all live for the same purpose. There's one purpose. We got one job. God calls us all to be his agents of redemption in this world. He calls us all to be his agents of change in this world. And to do that, we said, he gifts us all individually. So what you can do, you can't do. What you can do, you can't do. What I can do, you can't do. And that's a great thing. That's a great thing because God needs all those gifts, all those callings, all those talents to achieve his common purpose for us, which is to make this world a little bit lighter which is to show Jesus to this world, which is to lift this world up. And, and, and here's the problem. If we know that, if we know we have a purpose, if we know what that purpose is, if we cooperate with the Holy Spirit to ask the Holy Spirit to, to show us what gifts and callings we have, what do we do with that? What's the next step? Because if we're honest, we all know there's something more. We all know that we are called to make a difference in this world. James puts it this way. James chapter 1, he says, Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless. Now, I'm not so fond about the word religion, because when I hear religion, I think about Pharisees and rules and stuff like that. But that's what James wrote. But I would say faith that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this. To look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Now, the second part of this, we all get. We all understand, or at least I hope we do by now, because we talk about it a lot. We all understand that if we are truly loving God with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind, that we should look different. We should be different. We should act different. We should set our mind on different things. We shouldn't be part of this world. We said a couple of weeks ago that we should not be conformed outside pressure by this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And that means that we should keep ourselves from being polluted by all the outside forces that try to conform us from the outside. And we get that. We get that, right? But the first part is a little bit confusing. Because Paul says specifically to care for the widows and orphans. And I can hear the wheels turning right now. We're like, but I don't know any widows and I don't know any orphans. So I guess I'm exempt from everything, right? Wrong. 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 That was the words Paul chose. But really what Paul was saying is to care for, to live up, to serve, to bring light to, to lend a hand to, to smile to, to say a nice word to, to serve anybody in this world who needs it. Anybody in this world who is broken, anybody in here broken? Yes. Amen. That's what we're called to do. That's what we're called to do. And it says God loves it. He finds that kind of faith pure and faultless. Pure, meaning 100%. It's like dove, right? 99.9% pure. God wants that. God loves that. He finds that kind of faith, that faith that goes out and serves this world, makes a difference. He finds it pure and faultless. He loves it. And we want to do, don't we? We want to do what God loves. Right? Yes? Everybody? Amen? We do. We do. The problem is we get frustrated. Sometimes we get frustrated because the things we're doing don't seem to make a difference. Sometimes we try things and we just miss the mark and then we give up. We're like, well, that didn't work, so I'm just not going to do anything. Sometimes we sit on the sidelines and we wait for somebody else to do it. We're like, there's plenty of people in that church. 
I don't need to get my tithe. I don't need to serve. I don't need to do my stuff. I can, I, you know what? I'm just okay checking my little box. Somebody else will do it. Not anybody in here. I'm just saying. But we, we get to this place where we're not sure how. We're not sure what. We're not sure where. Some of us are maybe even a little confused as to why. It's why because God finds it faultless and pure. He loves that thing. And the truth is we don't have to feel like a helpless little ant trying to carry a big old twig across this, you know, driveway and getting this far in 10 minutes. We can step up. We can, with the Holy Spirit working in us, we can make a difference in this world. We can. We can. Jesus gives us the plan. Isn't that great? I think it's great that every question we have can be answered with God's word. In Acts chapter 1, we see kind of the conclusion of a 40-day period where Jesus has been raised from the dead. Jesus is making appearances, right? It's kind of like his resurrection tour. He's going around, talking to his disciples, talking to people. Paul says that at one point in time, he actually appeared to 500 people. Paul goes so far as to tell the church he's writing to, and some of those people are still alive today. You can go verify it for yourself. Now, don't try that because they're all dead now. But Paul wrote it, so it's there for us to read. Jesus is making himself known as being risen to life. Not a ghost, not an apparition, not some spirit, not some dust, not some orb. The real, live Jesus. Fully human, fully God, in the body, in the flesh. He was risen, but when he's getting ready to go back up to God, when he's getting ready to ascend back up to his Father, he gives his disciples, he gives his guys and girls a plan. And a promise. He says, you, Acts 1, verse 8 says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, we have said this many, many, many times that when we enter into a relationship with Jesus, he promises to give us the Holy Spirit. He calls it an advocate. He calls it a helper. The word in Greek is parakletos, which means advocate and helper. The Holy Spirit's job is to teach us what we should know about Jesus. It is to open up God's word to us, but it's also to embolden us, to empower us. So it's not just that we get the Holy Spirit. It's that we get the Holy Spirit who gives us power who gives us strength, who gives us wisdom to do the things in this world that Jesus calls us to do. And when we have a plan, man, this is right up my alley. There is nothing happier in this world than a control freak with a plan. I can tell you what, if it's written down, if I got a step-by-step instruction, that is so, it's like I'm just like having daydreams about this. Here's the plan. Here's what's right up my alley. He says, you are to be my witnesses. So that's the first thing we've got to understand. Witnesses, what does that mean? That means we are to lead people to Jesus, and we are to show Jesus to people. If we have both sides of that equation, leading people to Jesus and showing Jesus to people, that's how we can make a difference in this world. He said, you are going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That's the plan. That's That's the step-by-step. Not Not just their their plan, plan, but our plan. And you might be thinking, well, I don't live in the Middle East. How am I supposed to be a witness in Jerusalem or Judea and Samaria or to the ends of this earth, which wasn't very big for them because they only knew what they knew. 
They knew. They knew. We, have we have to understand, understand the context of what, what Jesus, Jesus is talking about here. We have to think about where they were. See, when Jesus says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Jerusalem was home base. Jerusalem was where they lived. Jerusalem was where their family is. Jerusalem was where their church was. Jerusalem was where their heart is. Jerusalem was where all the people who are close to them, their, their kind of nuclear family and maybe even the little extended family, it's the people you know by first name. It's the people you text with 20 times a day. It's the people you Snapchat with. It's the people you comment on Facebook. It's the people that are in your circle. And what happens when, when we start using that, that area to be witnesses is it creates this. We're going to talk about this in a little bit. It creates this ripple effect, right? When we start in our Jerusalem, it creates this ripple effect. That moves, that moves out to the world. And then he then says, says, you're going to be my witnesses in Judea and Samaria. Samaria. That's, That's not, not two places. places. He's, He's talking about one consensus location. Now, now Judea and Samaria, for those guys, was, was close. Right? It was, it was, it was near, near hometown. hometown. It'd be it'd like, like Glen Burnie. It'd, it'd be like Annapolis. It'd be like Odenton. It'd be like Lindicum. Wouldn't be Pasadena. That's our hometown. But these would be people who maybe have a different worldview than that. These would be, be people who maybe, maybe hadn't had seen, seen the river of Jesus. Jesus. These would be, be people who maybe, maybe hadn't been called themselves a Christian. Christian. And this, and this by, by the way, way, is the primary mission field for all of us. This is the primary place we want to go out and make a difference. And then he says, you'll be my witnesses to the end of the earth. This is the eventual goal for hopefully every church that calls themselves Jesus-believing, Jesus, you know, a God-honoring church. And and we're not there yet, right? We're not there to go and send mission trips and stuff like that. One day we might be. I don't know. If God blesses us in that way, if God puts us out in that way, then that's what we're going to do. We're working in that area right now. I'm going to talk about that in a little bit. But, but it wasn't just... A plan for his guys. Yeah, he says Judea and Jerusalem and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. But listen, we have those places too. They have different names. They have different people. They have different environments. And yet, they're the same. We have families. We have friends. We have people in our close circle. That's that's our, my Jerusalem. We have co-workers. We have those people that we talk to when we're out at baseball with our kids. The other soccer moms that we sit with in our little folding chairs with the thing over top of it so it doesn't rain on us. You don't know what I'm talking about. The cashier at Giant. The guy who cuts your hair. This is the, this is the beyond my world. are two sides. We mentioned this already. We're dealing with the Great Commission and the Great Commandment. The Great Commission says, go and make disciples of all nations. The Great Commandment says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And we remember from a parable that Jesus taught that everybody is our neighbor, not just the people we like. 
everybody. In fact, sometimes it might be the people you don't like so much, even more so. It might be those. I don't know. But if we're going to make a difference, if we're going to do what we're called to do in this world, then we have got to both love people and lead people. We've got to love people with all our heart, just the same way that God loves us. We've got to lead people so that we can introduce them to Jesus. We want to lead them to a relationship with Jesus. That's where it comes full circle, right? Because the first thing on that sign out there says we want to lead people to know God. So if we're going to make a difference, it's natural outworking should be to lead them to know God. And the way we do that is by fulfilling the greatest commandment, to love others as we love ourselves. Amen? Amen? Amen. Yes? Yeah. Everybody on board? Yeah. Good, I'm done. Thank you. See you next week. <laughs> Y'all said it. Can't lie to the pastor, you know. So the first thing we do, right, we understand two sides, great commission, great commandment, love people and lead people. The first thing we do is make a difference in my world. This is our Jerusalem. Make a difference in my world. And I, <laughs> I will tell you that there is a running joke in my house that everything is my world, Chris' world. Sometimes that's where I live. I kind of get this little thing in my head that the whole universe revolves around me. Not true, not true, but my world. I'm not talking about Chris' world here. I'm talking about my world. This is where it all starts. And Paul writes to his protege, Timothy, and he says, Anyone who does not provide for their relatives, and especially for their own household, has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. That's pretty strong words. Anybody who doesn't provide for their my world has denied their faith and is worse than an unbeliever. And I've got to be honest with you folks, especially on Father's Day. Um, this is an area of my life that I kind of blew it. I kind of blew it. Some of you know my story. I was divorced, I was raising my two older kids by myself, and if I were to go back and be able to change anything, anything in my life about that time, I, I would have been more determined to raise my children in a God-centered household. I blew it. I did not. And, 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 and I can make excuses. You know, I wasn't walking with God at that point in time. That was a time when I was kind of doing my own thing. But I blew it. This is a commandment. This is something that we're supposed to do. We are supposed to bring God into our households. There's a proverb that says, train up your children in the way they should go. That means you should introduce them to God. You should let them know about God. That doesn't mean they're going to be great Christians when they get older, but they'll know about it. They'll know what's going on. We have to do this. Paul says it's so important because if you don't, it's like denying your faith and being worse than an unbeliever. I don't think anyone of us wants want to be called an unbeliever or worse than an unbeliever. I don't think we want to deny our faith. Here's the thing, this transformation, if we allow ourselves, if we cooperate with the Holy Spirit, this transformation that happens, God wants us to be a better version of ourselves tomorrow than we are today. This transformation should leak out into each one of our my worlds. It should leak out in our relationships with our spouses. 
It should leak out into our relationships with our children. It should leak out into our relationships with our extended family and with our friends. And it causes this ripple effect. We want to be a great example. We want to lead. We want to show light. We want to show love. We want to show Jesus. We want to make sure that everything we do is honoring God with our family, with our friends, with all those people in that really tight concentric circle we call my world. We want to, if we can't share what God's done in our lives with the people we love the most, with the people we're the closest to, then how are we ever going to make a difference in the rest of the places? We can't. We can't. We have got to start, got to start in the my world, our Jerusalem, those places, those people that you interact with every day, day in and day out, day in and day out. Second thing is we make a difference beyond my world. That's the Judea and Samaria that Jesus was talking about. And this is the scary part, Right? This is the scary part, because this is where we're kind of going into the unknown. This is where we're kind of going into the gray area. This is the place where we're afraid that if we say the wrong Christian-based thing, somebody's going to slam us. If we and, and this happens. I mean, unfortunately, if you say the wrong thing on social media, you got trolls coming out of the woodwork trying to, trying to you know, argue with you about things. doesn't mean we shouldn't do it. It just means that it's scary. So what's the easiest way? How do we do this? Paul writes to the church in Galatia. He says this, carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Now, that sounds like a pretty simple plan. Carry the burdens. Who do you know in the beyond my world that's going through something that you can lighten their load? Who do you know in the beyond my world that may be falling on hard times that you can shine some light into? Who do you know in the beyond my world that just needs a smile? Who do you know in the beyond my world that seems like they can't catch a break and maybe the light you shine into their life is the one thing that keeps them coming back tomorrow? You see, when we lighten the load, the load gets lighter. And the more people we have lightening the load, the lighter the load gets. Right? More hands make lighter work. So if we're all out there in the beyond my world, lightning loads, then this world becomes a better place. This world becomes a brighter place. This world becomes a place full of more love. This world becomes a place that looks more and more and more and more like what God wants it to look like through us, through our purpose. I used to sell, some of you may not know this, I used to sell pianos and organs. I did that for a while for a company called Jordan Kits. Uh, Now, for those of us who are old enough to remember, first of all, I'm sorry. Second of all, you might remember going into a shopping mall when shopping malls were cool. And you would see some dude sitting in the front of a store on an organ playing some really old tune like Five Foot Two Eyes of Blue, Little Brown Jug, When the Saints Go Marching In, with one finger, (laughs) smiling at you. Yeah, that, that was me. I did that. I did that for quite a while. And that was a cool job and everything. You know, it was a perfect job for a piano player because I got to play piano all day long. But the one thing I remember about that was the first day of sales training, we were taught this. You cannot sell what John Jones buys until you see through John Jones' eyes. The point of that was is that in order to sell something to them, you have to get to know them. You have to know a little bit about what makes them tick. You have to know a little bit about how they work, how they think, how they, how they interact with the world. And listen, if we're going to serve this world, if we want to be not, not, not so 
crippled by the fear of going out into the beyond my world. The easiest way to do that is to get to know people. When we serve them, we get to know them. We start to form a relationship with them. We start to, 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 to know what they're about, know what makes them tick, know what's going on. And when we know them, we can show them Jesus. It's the easiest in. It's the easiest in. Do something nice for somebody that's outside of your circle in the beyond my world. And the amazing thing happens is this. The amazing thing that happens is this. As we do this, you may have seen this happen in your life already. As you pay that cashier for your coffee every morning and you just smile and you say, you know, you are such a great barista. I hope you have a great day. And you do that over and over and over again. Or you, you know, somebody maybe at school who can't afford lunch. I don't even know how lunches work, but you share your lunch with them every day. Or or somebody who is just really, really in a bad spot. Maybe they've gone through a breakup. Maybe they've lost a parent and you're just there, you know, how you doing, just checking on you, just seeing how things are going. Eventually, what they're going to say is this, something like this. Why are you that person? Why are you doing this? What's different about you than everybody else who just ignores my problem? Who ignores the sad look on my face? And this is when we get to share our faith. This is when we get to stand up and say, look, I can't do this on my own. I can only do this because Jesus has transformed me. Has transformed me. And listen, this is where I want us to live at HSC in the beyond our world, in these communities, in, in Orchard Beach and in Rivera Beach and in Sunset Beach and in Cottage Grove and Pine Grove Village and, and Chestnut Hill Cove and all the way up to Curtis Bay and all the way down to Elizabeth's Landing and Chesterfield and all those places. This is the beyond my world. This is our mission field. This is the place where we need to step up and make a difference. This is the place where we need to seek and find what needs to be fixed in this broken world. And we need to be the part of the, of the solution to fix it. Yeah. Beyond my world. That's our mission field. And the final thing is to make a difference in the world. And this is mostly like an evangelistic kind of thing, right? Showing, introducing Jesus to the world. It's the Great Commission. He says, go and make disciples of all nations. And when we do this, we, we don't think much of it, but when we do this, this is what Jesus tells us happens when we do this. He says in Mark chapter 10, verse 29, No one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel, let me make that a little bit clearer. If you have spent your whole entire life moving the gospel around the world, introducing people to the gospel, you will receive a hundred times as much in this present age. This is a promise from Jesus. If we use our gifts, if we use our calling, if we discover our purpose and we go out and make a difference in the global world, introducing the world to Jesus, he says you will be a hundred times blessed. That's an investment. We worry about Bitcoin and Apple and BGE and SpaceX and, and, and Tesla. And how am I going to get stock in that? You want some stock? You want an investment? Use your gifts and your callings to go to the whole entire world and show Jesus to them. He says a hundred times, a hundred times blessed. And we're in, the, we're in the kind of beginning stages of that. Not beginning. We've been doing this a couple of years, right? Our live stream. 
You know, that's not just something so that when you guys don't feel like getting up on Sunday morning, you can tune in and watch. In fact, it is the most far thing from that. We don't even want that to happen. The reason we do that is so that people we don't even know, people who don't even live here, right now, right now, there could be somebody watching that screen who lives in a third world country in South America. Right now, right this minute, there could be somebody watching in China, in Russia, in Venezuela, in Hawaii, in in Japan, anywhere, in Alaska. There could be somebody watching, and this is why it's so important for each of us. And I know this is not this is not like a social media plug or anything like that. But listen. The way we do this is by sharing it and spreading the news. When you go home today, don't just say, oh, the service was good. Find the live stream and share it out. You don't know who you know, who knows somebody, who knows somebody, who knows somebody, who knows somebody. This is how we reach the world. This is how we have the, we have the platform right now with the technology that exists in this world to reach every corner of this globe. Think about all the people we can reach out there, in the way beyond, in the global world. It's not, we had this, Susie and I, and I've had this dream, this vision, this picture in my head for as long as I can remember, as long as I've been involved in ministry and serving and churches and all that kind of stuff. And and this vision is, this thought is, is three words, leave a hole. And that doesn't sound like much, and you guys are probably like, can you explain that? Because I'm going to explain it. You know how I do. What that means is this. If Hope Springs Church were to just magically one day disappear in a vapor, just be gone, I would hope, my dream, is that hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and thousands of people would say, What happened to Hope Springs Church? They did some good stuff in this neighborhood. They did some good stuff for us. They did some good stuff for you name it. There's all kinds of things that we can do to help this world, to be God's agents of redemption. It's what we're called to do. And I know God's call is big and scary and uncertain. And so often we ask how. But if we're living up to our mission... If we are on this path to fully know God, which allows us to to find freedom, which allows us to discover our purpose, then the natural result of that should be, if we're cooperating with God in all those phases, the natural result should be that we go out and make a difference. God does not want us to be pew sitters. God does not want us to come into this church for Sunday only and spend an hour and go on about the rest of our lives. God does not want us to not to be Christians by name only. God does not want us to, to ignore the faith. He wants us to look different. He wants us to act different. He wants us to be different. He wants us to make a difference in this world. And when our heart aligns with God's, and when we see through his eyes, and when our heart breaks for what breaks his, and when we see a hurt and we're immediately called to do something about it, when we see a need and we can't sleep until we fill that need, when we see somebody who is broken and, and, and battling an addiction, if we if we don't step up and help them in any way we can, we're not living up to what God calls us to do. Imagine what we can do together yeah. as a church. Yeah. Imagine the hurts we can heal. 
Imagine the generational curses that we can be a part of breaking. Imagine the brokenness that we can mend. Imagine how many people we can lead to a saving relationship with Jesus Christ just by stepping out and being his hands and feet in this world. And listen, it's not like those ants. We're not building temporary anthills. We're not building things that will blow away. When the rain comes, they'll go away. We are building God's kingdom. We are building something that is eternal. God says, whatever you bind on this earth, I will bind in heaven. And whatever you loose on this earth, I will loose in heaven. He says, whatever you do in my name means something in the kingdom of God. It means something for eternity. It means something. When you make a difference, God says, Jesus said, whatever you do it for the least people, The people you wouldn't think of, the people you wouldn't look twice at, the people you wouldn't become friends with, the people you would say, they need a shower before I can go over there. When you do it for them, he says, you've done it for me. You've done it for me. And we ask this question all the time, right? Why doesn't God do something about this? How could God let this happen? Why, Why doesn't God do something about this? He did. He saved you. He sent his son for the forgiveness of your sins so that we can find our purpose in this world and go out and make a difference. He calls each one of us to be his agent of redemption in this world. We can't do it alone. One of us might not be able to make a difference, but listen, as a group, we can do this. As a church, we can do this. That's why we're going to talk about next week this this concept of uncommon unity, the, the, the difference we can make as a church body who is all for everybody, all for Jesus, all in, all in, all in. Nothing, Nothing that, that we, we do is not about him. We can't, we can't sit on the sidelines. We can't wait for somebody else to do it. We can't just say, oh, well, I'm tired today. Somebody told me one time that if you are a Jesus-following Christian, you will always be exhausted. Right. I can tell you that's true. <laughs> uh, it is. But this is how the abundant life that Jesus promises us comes full circle. He says, I came so that you could have a complete, fulfilled, abundant life. When our transformation is such, it's like that popcorn effect, right? Inside of every little tiny seed of popcorn is this molecule of water, and we put some heat on it. That water just expands and expands and expands and expands and expands. And there comes a point when the kernel can't contain it anymore. It expands so much that it pops into this white, fluffy miracle of goodness that we get to slather butter on and put some salt on, and I get to eat the whole bag. But when we allow the Holy Spirit to live in us, when we cooperate with the Holy Spirit, and every day we pray, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Work on me, work on me, work on me. That transformation should well up. That transformation should get so big that it bursts out and our transformation transforms. When we are transformed, we can transform the world. That's what we're called to do. That's what we're called to do. Jesus did that for each one of us. I hope that Jesus has done that for you. That he came to make a difference in your life. Not just the lives of people 2,000 years ago. But today, today, he says, he says, anybody who calls on my name and believes that I am the son of God and I was raised from the dead will be saved. That's a promise. That's not a maybe. That's a promise. And maybe you came in today kind of feeling like you're sitting on the outside, kind of lost, blown in the wind, don't know what your purpose is, don't know what your direction is. Jesus knows. 
if you if you if you want to feel fulfilled in your life, if you want to feel what Jesus promises as the abundant life, joy, peace, but more than that, freedom from your sin. Listen, folks, I, I, don't, I don't try to scare anybody when I say that there are two places here. There is hell and there is heaven. Hell is the default location. That's where we're going. Unless we take advantage of what God sent, his own son, Jesus Christ. And, and maybe you came in today and you don't have that relationship with Jesus. And as we do every week, we don't leave here until everybody has a chance to make that decision today. And maybe you've been kind of just sitting here. Maybe you're just like, I don't know, I don't, you know, uh, on the fence, peeking over, whatever you want to call it. You just haven't quite gotten there yet. I'll just ask you to do it today. I ask you to do it today. Scripture says that if we believe, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is the, is the Son of God and that we believe in our heart that he was raised from the dead, then we will be saved. And if you believe that, then we're going to lead a prayer with all heads bowed, all eyes closed. You can pray this out loud with us. You can pray this silently in your, in your own head. Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sins. Jesus, I believe you rose three days later, defeating death. I want you to be the Lord of my life. I surrender. Thank you, Jesus. And so, Father, for anybody who has come to that place of decision today, we give you the glory and we give you the honor. We know that it's only your grace, your free gift of grace that not any of us can earn, that allows us to take advantage of your gift, Jesus Christ, to come back into relationship say that if even just one person <coughs> follows Jesus, if one sheep comes back into the fold, then you are rejoicing. You're throwing a party, God. So we, we rejoice with you. We give you all the glory, God. And for those of us who, you know, we do this, this dumb thing when we've been Christians for a long time, we kind of forget what our mission is in this world. And you call us to do big, amazing, sometimes scary things, God. So help us to step up. Help us to rely on that relationship we have with you, that we know you so intimately, that we have found that freedom, and we have discovered our purpose in this world, and we can use all of those things to go out and make a difference. Help us not to be chair sitters. Help us not to be sideline people, but to be people who are exhausted by doing your work, God. 